Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back to another episode of the MSA podcast. My name is Saliha and I'll be your host for this episode inshallah. Today we are joined by our wonderful guest Adlafur Houdan. Adlafur joins us today to talk about his incredible journey with different sports. Throughout this episode he drops several pearls of wisdom as he talks about his experience with skiing, rugby, horse riding, every sport you can think of, you name it, he's done it. Today he teaches us some of the lessons that he's learned about pushing himself past his limits out of his comfort zone. He also tells us a few things about sportsmanship and teamwork. Not just that, but he's scared he shares some of his scariest near-death experiences. And honestly, these experiences as he was sharing them with me were so terrifying. I truly think it's a miracle that he survived. And not only is he a delight to talk to, but he really makes you feel empowered to achieve your fullest and live up to your childhood dreams. So Abdelhafoud is a man of many talents, mashallah. He is a British-Belgian student, originally from Morocco. Currently, he's doing his internship and he plans to pursue orthopedic surgery, inshallah. However, that's the least impressive thing about him. From a very young age, Abdelhafoud has been doing all sorts of sports. He started off with football, moved on to rugby, and so on and so forth. During this episode, join us as he takes us along on a journey from his childhood home in Birmingham to the ski slopes of Bursa to the sunny sandy beaches of Morocco. I really enjoyed recording this episode and I hope you enjoy it too. So I'm going to start with like the elephant in the room. My name is pronounced Abdel Ghafour, not Abdel Rauf. And <laughs> I guess the main issue is that little R. So uh, my name is actually written in French. So the R is pronounced as Gha in Arabic, mm -hmm. not R in English. Mm -hmm. And yeah, uh, it's written in French because I was born in Belgium. Most of my family do live there. And I lived there for like around five years. Oh, okay, Mashallah, nice. Before I moved to the UK for the, like the rest of my like you know, high oh, school Oh, okay, years. cool. <laughs> so yeah, uh, so I lived in the UK, was born in Belgium, and I am ethnically and very proudly, proudly Moroccan. That's you, nice. You can tell I'm even <laughs> extra proud after the... Especially year. after the match. <laughs> yes, the Morocco-Spain match. When's the next one, inshallah? Saturday. Saturday. So please watch it, Morocco versus Portugal. Uh, really excited. We've already made history, to be honest. This is always Definitely, like, yeah. This is the first time that Morocco's reached um, the... Nice. Yep, yep, yep. And hopefully... That is very cool. Um, look, uh, I know that... Like, you know, the that odds, in itself is pretty nice. Eh, but the thing is, even though the odds are stacked against us, I still have faith that we're going to reach the finals. I inshallah. know, statistically, not very likely, but faith. Let's see, inshallah. Inshallah. Let's see what happens by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you said that you were born in Belgium, you moved to the UK, and uh, when did you move here? So I actually came here one week into my med school. Oh, so you came a little late. Did you I know came. that you were joining medical school when you moved here? I did. So it was all very last minute. Mm -hmm. uh, I was still kind of debating whether I wanted to like take a gap year in the UK or take the risk and join a brand new school in a brand new country with a brand new culture. And I'm really happy I took that risk at the end of the day. Uh, but it was really, it was really. That must have been really scary, honestly. Yes. Thing is, like even like from a language perspective, my Arabic. Was Really so you don't speak Arabic, because I'm guessing you speak probably French, okay, English. Yep. Um, Moroccans do speak Arabic, though, kind of? Kind of, but not really. No? They speak their own dialect. They call it Darija. It's like a mix of like Arabic, like the Berber language, mm -hmm. French and Spanish, all into one language. That is so cool. That's cool. So, yeah. So, 
So, okay, so would you understand Arabic? So I understand Arabic. Like, so I before I came in, I could understand like Fosha, the standard Arabic, because that's okay. what you hear in Morocco in like the news and the radio. But not like the Saudi dialect no, or the Syrian dialect or any of the none. Really, I think is also like a very common phrase in Saudi is to say Bilafia. Yeah. In yeah. Moroccan, that means fire. So I was so confused in the oh, beginning. Oh no! Everyone's like, Allah yatik al Afia, and I'm like, what? What did I do? You know. <laughs> So it was like a, an adjustment process. All right. That must have been hard, though, coming from like a whole different country, coming into uni, not speaking any Arabic. Yeah. How was it like at the time? Initially, it was scary, like uh, especially those first few days, getting used to not only like the, the new university, but also like the culture, the weather. That was, it was like, during what, September. Mm-hmm. So that was oh, a big it was shock. Hot. It was very hot. Uh, but honestly, like as most things, you kind of genuinely get into the flow very quickly. And I moved from Belgium to England. So... I already have some experience in like, you know, adapting to like new places. I went to England, by the way, not knowing a single word of English. So this has happened to you multiple times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of culture shock. Okay, yeah. mashallah, that's cool. So how? So you must have picked up English like eventually at like an older age, like six, seven. Yes. And so now it's like your primary language. It is. I do think in English. It happened when I was young. I dream in English now, which is always like a big thing. Mm, makes sense. Um, all right. So what I know about you is that you're really into uh, sports and athletics and that's really what fascinates me um so tell us a little bit about that yes so i am very much a very very sports guy i just can't can't stop i love it i just love so much different aspects of them mm-hmm. uh i always want to try new sports also but um i don't know it started probably from an early age how old up. were you when you like first got into sports honestly i was playing football when i was four or five so very early uh, got into the sports world very early um and yeah like it became a part of my life before i realized like it's always been kind of who i am you know that's cool Michelle. did your parents push you into it or were you just so yes uh as any moroccan knows <laughs> all moroccans by default must love football you must know? love football 100%. Yeah. so that's kind of how i started but i just kept loving to like try out new things and like living in like birmingham which is like very multicultural I got oh, a lot you were of... in Birmingham. Yes. <laughs> I love Birmingham. I've never been, but I know a lot of people that live there. I know it's very, like, it's a really nice place for yes. different cultures. Exactly. It's like a melting point, like a melting pot of, like, different It's also a really nice place for, like, Muslims to live. Exactly. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, you're not alone. Um, so, yeah, like, getting experience with, like, different friends from different mm-hmm. backgrounds. Like, for example, the French community is, like, really into martial arts. Especially oh, the French community. interesting, really. Yes. So, did you play martial arts? Yes. <laughs> what, which one did you start with? So, I started with uh, karate. I feel like right. every kid does karate. Every like, kid. every kid. Every. Like, no matter where you live. I did karate, karate as well for, like, a good four or five years. I did a lot of karate as a kid. But, you know, yeah. It's just, like, the usual. <laughs> it's, like, the, yeah, the, the, like the, 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 the baseline. The baseline, Baseline exactly. martial arts. But most of like French community, they actually do Taekwondo and uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So I got into Jiu-Jitsu uh, a bit later. It okay. was a whole story. I got really into karate, like really into mm-hmm. it. Then uh, we would do this thing where we'd meet up like in our mosque. Uh, it was like a refurbished warehouse. So during the oh, okay. weekends, <laughs> during Saturdays, a few hours before like, you know, uh, the hard time, we'd meet up and we'd have like sparring and like, sessions, sessions mm-hmm. those. And I remember, like, me and my friend, we had, like, a rivalry. We would meet up every Saturday, both of us trying to win. Like, to see who would be better? Exactly. The thing mm-hmm. is, I was a bit stronger, but mm-hmm. he was more athletic, mm-hmm. and he was, like, taller. His legs were proportionally uh, right. long. 
<laughs> right, okay. So I still remember this. Uh, we were fighting, and somehow, I do not remember how, but he managed to get his foot behind my neck. Isn't and that like... Like a reach. Isn't that when you like tap? That's, that's like when you ideally tap out, right? But we're both standing. How the hell? Yes, how he is has that? long legs. I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. He has long reach. So anywho, me being very, very smart, I notice a foot behind my neck. What do I think? Not, oh, should I remove it? No, no, no. I'm like, oh my God, he exposed his stomach. That's what, that's. And I went, I went for the strongest punch of my life. Oh my God. But like a guillotine, his leg comes flying down. I just smash my head directly into the ground. Oh my God. And I'm knocked out. Like I'm out. out. I'm out. I'm in a daze. I look, I wake up. I just see like blood all over the oh floor. My, God. my teeth are all chipped. So at that day, my mom pulled me out of martial arts. She was like, <laughs> never again. I was begging her, please. It's not going to happen again. But no, I stopped martial arts for like a few years after that. Okay, but like, you started again. But I started again. But this time, jujitsu. It was a bit different. I know there's this, this really nice place here for jujitsu. I think it's called um, Leon Combat yes. Club. Do you In, go? Have I you don't, but I've seen like uh, Bilal's uh, a friend of mine, uh, his Instagram. Oh, okay. And I really want to go. Like it reinvigorated that passion. It is really nice. I know they have like a lot of uh, like uh, branches, I guess. Yeah. Around different parts a of lot, the city. They have Muay Thai. They have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. They have a lot of things. And they have different, um, yeah, like you just said, they have Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I think they have karate. I don't know mm. what else they have. Taekwondo probably, kickboxing. Yeah, I but. think they do like wrestling and stuff too. That's pretty cool. That's yeah, you could look into that. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on doing it in a few months from now, just like when my schedule becomes a bit nicer. But for right. sure, it's on it's on the list. <laughs> okay, okay. All right, so if I asked you to name like your top three sports, what would you say? Okay, so at number one, undisputed, is going to be rugby. 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 You know, I thought you were going to say football. No, because football like, is not even on the top three. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, look, I liked it. I do enjoy football, but like never to the level of like how my parents loved football. You know, okay. I was always getting into trouble for being too rough. I was always getting into trouble for being too like aggressive. Mm -hmm. And I hated just like, oh, you, stop it, you're too aggressive. So I didn't like football as much growing up. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so rugby is number one. Rugby what about two and three? It's probably like a tie between surfing and skiing. Surfing and skiing? Yes. That is not what I expected whatsoever. Yeah. That's yeah. not what I, okay. <laughs> All right, so let's, let's, you know, and talk about rugby for a minute. So it's your all-time favorite sport. How'd you get into it? Okay. So that's kind of like a funny story. So I moved to a new school uh, when I was in sixth form, which you guys probably call like what? 12th grade? I think that's 12th grade. That's like 11, senior year? Yeah, senior. So it's like two years. Like you graduate after 12th form, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, senior year. So I joined this new school, King Edwards, uh, and I joined like from like the year 11, which is I think grade 12 for you guys. Year 11, year 11 is, um, I think it's just year 11. Yeah, okay. So it's like two years, right? Year 11 and year 12? Yes. Perfect. And then we graduate after like yes. your sixth form is our 12th grade. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So I came in at sixth form. So in that school, there's like two kinds of students, internals and externals. Internals start the school from like the beginning, from like seventh grade. Okay. And then externals join a bit later. So okay. I was an external. Yeah. So I'm getting used to this new school, whatnot. And it's Wednesday. And okay. Wednesdays are sports days. Okay. So I took the wrong bus. Oh, no. I took the wrong bus. I have this tendency, this magical ability to get lost. So I took the wrong bus. I thought I was going to watch, to play football. Mm -hmm. Halfway there, I'm like, listen, none of my friends are in the bus. So I asked a kid next to me, like, yo, where is this going? And they were like, oh, this is going to the rugby field. At this moment, oh, no. I have no idea what rugby is. 
I've <laughs> never played a game in my life. I've only heard the word used before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. I put up my phone. I'm watching the rules because I'm like, listen. Oh, my God. I don't, I don't know where the football field is. It's not in the same vicinity. Mm-hmm. It's a different part of town. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay. I'm stuck here. I'm just going to like give it a shot. Why wouldn't you just go back to football? <laughs> the thing is, I took the bus and they're going towards the rugby fields. How would I get... Like, like you can't get off it now. I can't you're get on up. it. It's too mm-hmm. late. I'm like okay. halfway through. So I'm like, okay. I'm like going through my YouTube, like trying to watch the rules of rugby. Uh-huh. Oh, you can't pass forward. I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So I go in. I'm just, just so you know, I know nothing about rugby. Like okay. I do not know. So. <laughs> so do you know American football? Yes. Think of American football without any protection. That does not sound very safe. Surprisingly, <laughs> it is safer. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because like, if you don't have protection as a person, you will tackle much less harder. Mm. Uh, compared to American football where you have the helmet, you just... Like, in terms American of, football has a lot of stuff. There's like shoulder pads, there's helmets, there's yep. like all this stuff all over you. We have absolutely nothing but like a mouth, mouth guard. Mouth guard? Yeah. Mm, okay. All right. Okay. Well, go on. So yeah. So I go in and it's a whole new world and I cannot tell you. I fell in love instantly. Really? You're okay. telling me a sport where I can be rough and I don't get into trouble for it? Where like I'm supposed to be tackling people? It's a match. It's exactly heaven. the right thing for yes. you. Yes. It was like perfect match. And I went home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to play rugby. So then you switched. <laughs> so I switched. I went to one of my friends who was an internal and mm-hmm. I was like, listen, I really like this sport. It's so fun. You know what? I'm going to play for the team. And I still remember to this day, he looks at me, pauses, and just laughs. <laughs> he laughs. And he's like, Abdel, you are never going to make it into the team. You are an external. You have no experience. He's giggling, and I'm getting annoyed. Then he pauses. He's you like, know? Listen. Sorry, go on. <laughs> go on, go on. He's, he pauses, and he's like, listen, actually, you might play for the team as a water boy. As a water boy? Yeah. <laughs> And I cannot tell you, I took this personal. Mm-hmm. Very, very So now personal. you have something to prove I'm wrong. Exactly. And I'm someone who, if you tell me not to do something, I will go out of my way, out of your I was just going to say spite. that. He reversed psychology to you. Yes. But he was actually serious. He was like, how would this guy with no experience of rugby manage to play for the... Because our teams were like really competitive. Oh, okay. Our first team had like English internationals. Did you play like on a, a national or like, yes. oh, okay, okay, okay. You so played a like, national level. We have like a, each high school, each sixth form has like a team and we had like a NatWest Cup that we used to play for. So it was like, a, like an actual thing. Oh, okay. You know? it was a th- okay. So I got really annoyed, really pissed. And I went out of my way to make sure I make it into mm-hmm. the team. I went home. I learned the game. I started watching videos. I started training every single session. I'll beat the first one in, last one out. Inshallah. And I made it. Commitment. Yeah, I made it to the second team by the end of my first year, paid for the second team during my second year, and my last ever game, I paid for the first team. Nice. That is so cool, Mishamah. So after you moved here, did you keep up with it? Unfortunately, I didn't. Uh, There was like literally one club in Riyadh, and it was so far away. Oh, no. Plus getting used to like, you know, the new system. Medical school is really intense. Yeah, that's true. So I kind of like would only watch. And it was heartbreaking, honestly. Like not being able to play rugby was... It must have been hard. What's something that like that you remember specifically happening to you in rugby? Okay. Um, good question. Like, you know how every every person who loves sports, especially like a sport like rugby, they always have like some interesting thing that either pulled them into the sport or that they remember a day that you'll never forget. What's, you know, something like that. Okay. So my first ever rugby game, 
I can I can remember even like the temperature of the air. I remember it was like we in our school we have like different like houses. So mm-hmm. there's house Temperley, house Mason, and we'd have like inter house tournaments every year for the cup. Okay. So this was kind of like my coach the day before was like, listen, you may play, you might play in this tournament. Mm-hmm. I was so excited. Mm-hmm. Got my shoes ready the day before, the night before, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I might actually play for once. So I still remember, like, it was the second half, and the coach looks at me and is like, yo, warm up. Nice. My heart starts beating. I kid you not, I run into the field. All I can hear is the sound of like my heartbeat mm-hmm. and like the cheers of all my friends. I was like, oh, he's finally doing it. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just remember like the moments of me running into the field. The adrenaline must have been crazy. Adrenaline, just like the sheer joy. I finally made it. And like uh, the ball was like the, that first tackle also was just beautiful, you know? Nice. I just I just remember that that run into the field was just like magical. Unforgettable. Unforgettable. All right. So so from what I can tell, you are very passionate about the sports that you play and especially like things like ski and surfing. What do you think makes you so passionate? Honestly, I feel just so alive at the moment of playing a sport. For a single moment, I don't have to think about life. I don't have to think about, it's just me. It's either, for example, me and the surfboard and the waves, or me and the ski and the snow, or mm-hmm. me and players and the ball. It's these moments where my mind is clear, where I'm just focusing, living at the moment. You know, I can't describe this feeling. Do you feel like it's kind of like an escape? Oh yeah, for sure, 100%. Kind of like a drug. <laughs> One hundred percent. I'm not gonna oh, lie. Yeah. One hundred percent. Okay. Cool. It's just sometimes, like for example, in in terms of surfing, mm-hmm. when you catch a wave, there's this feeling of being in touch with not only yourself but also the ocean. Mm-hmm. It's this feeling of intense calm, but also thrill and joy. I can't describe it. It's isn't just, there like a lot of fear associated with that? Like I don't know. You must be a really good swimmer, Mashallah. But isn't there like a lot of fear associated with like being out in the open ocean with massive waves and like, what if something were to go wrong? What happens then? Good question. Uh, me personally, like, I int- I don't tend to kind of overthink things. So I'm not going to say fearless. That's maybe too much. But I kind of just, like, shut that kind of rational part of my brain. Also helps. I'm not, like, the smartest guy. So I'm just like, oh, risk? What risk? But, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, during the summer, for example, I had four near-death experiences surfing. Four this summer? This one four summer. Near de- four. four in one summer. You know, that yes. would have been enough for me to pull out of the sport. I would have been like, you know what? I'm good for the rest <laughs> of my life. But I just couldn't. Three of them were like near drownings. And one of them, I was, I cannot tell you, this close to snapping my neck in half. Oh, my God. So each time, I obviously feel extremely scared immediately after. Mm-hmm. But I would go back in. There's this, I don't know how to describe it. It's just. That is, that. You know, is there no one around to like stop you and be like, hey, you almost died. Maybe not. Maybe don't go today. Okay. So here's the lucky thing. The thing this- about you is that you <laughs> pretend like the, the, you ignore the fear, I feel like. Yep. Like you pretend it doesn't exist. That's Basically. a crazy way to live. Because okay. honestly, look, here's the thing. So number one, if you let fear dictate your life, uh-huh. I feel it sucks the joy of living. That's number one. Like That's true. A healthy dose of fear is important, but not to the point where it's paralyzing. Mm, okay. And number two, I'm someone like my personal kind of philosophy is I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a fun time. Right. Like I don't, like, I don't personally feel like, of course, each person is different to mm-hmm. some certain extent. But for me, I don't care about living to 80 or 90. I care about living each day as if it's my last and having as much of an experience as possible. You care about living, actually. Yeah. yeah. 
That's cool. So you were saying about you're like, you know, the scary experiences that you've had this past summer. You were just talking about them. Okay, so the near-death experiences. I let you choose. Do you want to hear the first like near drowning or the Let's hear the next snapping one. The next snapping one. <laughs> okay, so moral of the lesson, don't let ego outside. Like don't let ego interfere. So basically what happened, uh it was a beautiful day. Like mm-hmm. surprisingly a beautiful day. The waves were just amazing mm-hmm. and it was nice and sunny. The ocean was like kind of like glassy green. Mm-hmm. I was like, I love this. Mm-hmm. So I go in, I'm surfing. The waves are really good. Some of them are too hard, but I, I avoid them, obviously. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry to interrupt. I've just never asked you, like, where do you surf? Oh, okay. So I surf in Morocco. Morocco, okay, uh, okay. There's, like, not far from the city of Agadir is a city called uh, Taghazout, okay. which is a tourist destination for surfing. Like a beach city? Yes. Kind of. Okay, okay, it's cool. It's very, it's, honestly, it's less of a beach city, more of a surfing city. Oh, okay. It's for surfing. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. So people come from across the world to surf there. Nice, uh, and there's like three beaches, like three surfing spots. Um, mm-hmm. I mainly surf a place called Devil's Rock. Sounds dangerous. Mm, is that got to do with the snap? No, <laughs> actually. So Devil's Rock is where I started surfing, but then I moved to this new stretch of beach. Doesn't have a name, but I like to call it uh, Pancake Point. Devil's Rock 2.0. Yeah, the thing is Devil's Rock has Pancake a Point sounds worse. It sounds like the fuse where you get squished. I, I call it Pancake Point because the, the beach is like very flat. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So you, so you have not banana, as bad as I, as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> so you have banana, uh, going in order, you have Banana Point, then you have Devil's Rock, then my Pancake Point. Okay. So now, like most of the summer, like towards the end, I would surf only in Pancake. All right. Okay. Coming back to your story. So you're in Pancake Point. So I'm in Pancake Point. I'm surfing. I'm having fun. It's a good day. I'm getting a bit tired, but I'm like, okay, I want to end the session with a good wave. Mm-hmm. That's how it always starts. Mm-hmm. And I see two surfers. They're all, I can hear them, they're from the UK. They're speaking English. Okay. Most of the surfers so far have either been from like France or from like the Czech Republic or mm-hmm. from Eastern Europe. So I'm like, oh, fellow like Englishman. So we all try to surf like the same wave and they put it off. I mess up. Oh no. I paddled way too late. I don't know. I messed up. Mm-hmm. So I can hear them celebrating and that annoys me. Why does it annoy you? I don't know. I, I was embarrassed, honestly. Like I messed up. You kind of embarrassed yourself yeah, in front of them. Okay. Exactly. So I was embarrassed and I was like, you know what? Next wave, I'm going to catch it. So the next wave comes. It's big. But I'm like, do it. Mm-hmm. I catch the wave. And as the wave begins to like increase in height, mm-hmm. I notice like I've reached like the peak of the wave. I look down and it's a drop of like three, four meters. Oh no. A solid drop. The wave just, the wave, like the shape of the wave just ends. So I'm like, for two seconds, I'm like, oh no. And I fall. Oh no. But as I'm tumbling through the air, I hit the water, like literally on my neck. And I smash. And I'm like, okay, GG. I, it's game over. I'm going to probably be <laughs> quadriplegic if I'm lucky. I go in. I, of course, like the waves are really strong. So mm-hmm. they grab you and you're tumbling into the oh water like a ragdoll. Mm-hmm. I come out. First thing I do, I start checking my sensations. Can I feel my hand? Okay, good. Can I feel my feet? Okay, good. Can oh I move God. my hand? Okay, good. My whole back felt so tingly, uh-huh. but I was fine. Wow, and I, was, I was so oh my God. grateful. I went out. I was just like shivering. I've heard about like incidents like these where the surfers do get pal- pa- paralyzed. All the time. Sorry. Cervical fracture is one of the most common injuries. And the way how Goodness. I fell, I'm, like, I'm, it's a miracle. Like it's a miracle you came out alive. Yes. So that was the neck incident. And I went back surfing, by the way. I, I, wish, <laughs> I wish I was smart enough to say, no, that's a sign. No, I went back. I surfed for an hour and a half more. 
Oh my God. Did you at least catch the good wave that yeah. you wanted to end the session on? <laughs> yeah, okay. I call that. And what about the surfers that you, that you saw what happened to them? <laughs> no one cares. Everyone's so focused because people get hurt. People tumble. They didn't, they just kept on surfing. They saw you were fine and yeah. you were chilling. No one, okay. yeah, no one really kind of like cares as much. Mm, okay. So that's the, the neck incident. What about the drowning ones? <laughs> okay. So the neck incident was more of like a very sudden last minute. Oh my God, what's happening? Mm-hmm. The uh, surfing, the drowning incident mm. was more of a slow burn. Mm. So that day is the exact opposite of the neck story. So I come in and I see the beach is empty. Always a bad sign. Always, Always a bad, bad sign. sign. Not a single surfer, which is yeah, weird. Yeah, no, that is horrible. And me being honestly 3000 IQ, <laughs> I was like, oh, nice. I'm going to surf. There's going to be no people. Horrible Boom. idea. I don't know why you as a surfer with like surfing experience would think that this is a good thing you know why honestly it's just because i didn't surf for two days and i was feeling really restless mm. and the waves looked big they looked nice that is bad that is bad of course it's bad <laughs> but at the moment i was like nice i don't even surf when i know that's bad yeah. <laughs> and the thing is like obviously if no one is surfing this beach by the way a few people die everywhere people drown it's the atlantic ocean it's uh, brutal right the okay. currents are very strong mm, right so i'm like okay now the way how like the beach is like shaped like towards the left, uh, once you walk in, is like pure rocks. It's cliffs. Is that Devil's Rock? That's Devil's Rock is like a small kind of like enclave between two cliffs. Okay, okay. So it's just cliffs. Okay, cliffs all around. Cliffs all around. And Pancake Point is everything towards the right. Mm. So I'm like, okay. Obviously, no one surfs next to the rocks. It's mm, really bad. Yeah, that's dangerous. So I'm like, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a, like walk 200 meters from the rocks and begin to surf. Usually, like throughout a surf session, I'll move maybe around 50 meters based on the current. Mm, so I go okay. in. I'm having fun. The, wet, the water's cold. I'm alone. I'm enjoying it. Mm. The waves are way too hot for me to even catch a single wave. They're oh, too strong. Dang. Okay. And when they crash, I genuinely feel lightless, like a piece of like plastic bag mm. tumbling through the waters. Mm-hmm. It's strong waves. And also, like my surfboard is like very long. Mm-hmm. They call it a log because it's like over nine feet long, which is great. But when the waves are strong, you lose control very quick. Mm, okay. So I go in, I'm surfing, I'm surfing. And then I notice, hey, I'm getting really close to the rocks. Oh no. I got, I think I got caught by a current or something. And I noticed that the rocks were supposed to be 200 meters to my right. And now maybe like 20 meters to my right. Oh no. And I'm in deep. Like I'm not in shallow water, oh, I'm no. in deep water. So I'm like, oh, I need to course correct. I begin to paddle and it feels like I'm doing nothing. Oh no. The current is strong. Mm-hmm. So now I'm beginning to feel the panic slowly begin to increase. Mm-hmm. I know if a big wave catches me and I collide with those rocks, I am finished. Mm-hmm. I'm staying alone in Morocco. None of my family know I'm surfing at the moment. The beach is empty. Even the lifeguards, they may not see me. There are just so many things wrong in the story. Everything. <laughs> and the weather's really bad. So I'm like, okay, I'm trying to course correct. During mm-hmm. that process, I slip off the surfboard. And I realized I underestimated the tide. The water is much deeper than what I expected. Mm. So as I go in, I go up. I'm beginning to slowly hyperventilate. I begin to lose my breath. And you don't have your surfboard anymore. It's no, it's tied. So the surfboard is like tied up. Oh, it's tied to your leg. To the leg with the leash thing. Right, 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 right. Okay. So as I go in, I'm trying to like, I'm panicking because I'm seeing the waves. The way how like the waves work sometimes, you'll have no waves. Then four will come in a row. Hmm, so okay. I'm seeing the first waves begin to hit. Hmm. So I'm trying to like correct my surfboard. I'm trying to get back on the surfboard. Mm-hmm. I am falling. 
I'm obviously losing my vision. Uh, I can't see underwater, so I'm going down. I drink a bit of water, so now I'm like borderline drowning. And I'm trying to just get on the surfboard. If I get on the surfboard, at least I'm going to be floating. Mm, right. But I just can't. The waves just keep coming stronger and stronger and stronger. Eventually, it gets even worse. Oh, no. The leash ties around my leg. Oh, no. I feel like that's the worst thing that can happen. That's oh, the one worst of the worst things that can now happen. Now I lost the leg. I technically can't swim. So now I'm trying my best to like untangle the leash. Mm -hmm. I am praying to God. Mm -hmm. I'm like, listen, if I do not make this, it's, it's game it's over. over. It's over for you. It's clearly game over. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, I managed to untie the leash mm -hmm. and I missed the rocks, but I am telling you less than three, four meters. Oh my God. The waves were so strong. I come out. I was not able to walk. Oh gosh. The amount of like shock and adrenaline, mm -hmm. my le my knees were just like, I just crawled. Jelly. I crawled, yeah, jelly. I crawled my way out of the beach and it took maybe like 10 to 15 minutes before I was able to go back into the water. Like, I was in pure. But you still went back. <laughs> I didn't end the session with a good wave. That's like my rule. <laughs> but like I was so, honestly, I was so grateful to be alive. Mm, right. It was yeah. too close. I feel like basic, um, or you know, some of the basic things that people should keep in mind when they're going surfing is like make sure someone knows that you're in the water. Yes. Isn't that like a, like a rule? Yes. I'm telling you, do as I say, not what I do. I sometimes do dumb things. <laughs> Uh, like very like sudden impromptu decisions and this was a really bad decision mm. i shouldn't even have surfed the fact that there was no surface yeah. meant it's not safe yeah right right so what are some things that you've learned from like your experiences like this being one of them that you shouldn't surf ever when those surfers are around yes. what else have you learned do you think well honestly just like how lucky we are to, al to be alive like when you're in the moment of like realizing, oh, this could be it, mm -hmm. you realize, oh, like there's so much more to live. There's so <laughs> much things I wanted to do that I didn't do at the moment. So it's this constant reminder of like taking every day as a blessing. Mm -hmm. like it's not like warranted. You should be grateful just to be alive. That is true. That's true. What advice would you give to someone who's like starting out a potentially dangerous sport? Okay. So number one, uh, Obviously, I'm, I'm going to sound very hypocritical saying this, but like know your limits, mm. especially if you're new. Most people who get hurt, injured or killed are usually when they really go outside their comfort zone. So your advice is to not go outside your comfort As zone? As in know your limits, know when you're way too far outside okay. your comfort zone. Okay. Know when to call it a day. Like, okay. a, like some of the biggest injuries that happened in Morocco by like really professional surfers mm -hmm. happened towards the end of a session when they mm -hmm. were too exhausted and they made the wrong decision. So mm -hmm. knowing okay. knowing when to um, take a break, know when to stop, know when also just simple logic. If you're going out somewhere, if you're hiking, mm -hmm. let people know. Right. I'm going on for this certain period of time. I'm going to be back at this time. If especially if you're going alone or exactly right. especially for going on okay so being smart honestly uh and also leaving ego out of it like for example the whole neck thing right you could have easily avoided that situation yeah. if you just weren't trying to impress someone exactly if i was just mm. like okay it's fine i embarrassed myself that's fine who cares i wouldn't have got i wouldn't have caught that wave because i knew in hindsight it was way outside my 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 comfort it like you weren't, you knew that you wouldn't be able to take it, but you yeah. went anyway. But mm. I was like, oh, no, I'm fearless. I'm going to prove the point. It's like the ego drive kind of yes, like pushed yes. you to do it's stuff. Bad. Mm. It's bad. Okay. But uh, also at the same time, like a caveat, don't also fear kind of like paralyze you. It's mm, a fine okay. line between going too far outside your comfort zone to a point where it's like 
you might mess up, mm-hmm. but also don't be paralyzed and like stay within your comfort zone because what's the point of that? You know. Right. Okay. Have you ever been like um dangerously injured, or like like it suffered something that kind of like had make had to like make you stop? Besides the jujitsu incident, anything that's ever had to make you like stop playing for a little while, take a break? Um, I've had like a bunch of injuries. I think it comes in with sports. It does. Yeah. So for rugby, I messed up my shoulder, my right shoulder. Surfing, I messed up my other shoulder. Oh no. <laughs> A uh, bunch of different injuries, uh, but nothing kind of like a career ending. Okay, alhamdulillah. That's alhamdulillah. Cool. So far. <laughs> <laughs> Inshallah, you never suffer Inshallah. something like that. How do you recover from like these injuries? I know that for people who really enjoy spo- sports, they sometimes struggle to like come to terms with the fact that they have this injury. Like, for example, if you're playing like jujitsu and you get like a shoulder injury, they struggle to accept, okay, I have an injury. I cannot, I should not go to jujitsu for the next like two months like how do you come to terms with that how do you accept it it is very hard and i'll be honest with you um it is extremely hard the the more you love a sport the more it becomes a part of your life the harder it is to say oh i'm gonna stop for like three four months Mm -hmm. there's a reason why a lot of athletes after injury they become really depressed right yeah that's exactly what i was thinking yeah so it's hard like me personally again i'm really not a good example (laughs) so i'm someone who's like no i will push through the pain and this summer, for example, I knew my rotator cuffs and my left shoulder was really bad. Mm. And I did not stop. Mm. Now I'm back. I am suffering. Like I cannot. Like, my left shoulder right now is like really bad. Mm. Half my like gym workouts, I can't do them anymore. Mm. So I am paying the price long term. Right. So at the moment, it's hard to like be logical and not let emotion take over. But in the, in the long term, you will suffer. Like the amount of people who push themselves through an injury... And where and then sustained another injury which was career ending is too much to count. Mm, right. So my advice is I as hard as it sounds, for your long-term happiness, take that break. Listen mm. to the physiotherapist, listen to the doctor, avoid working out for X amount of time. Because mm-hmm. you're gonna regret it in the long term. Mm. If I could go back in time, maybe I would have surfed less. I don't mm. know. So your advice to people who are suffering like a, a, an injury like that that's preventing them from doing what they love, your advice would be to listen to the doctors. How yeah. do you think they should like come to terms with the fact that they are stopping the sport? Like, like what else would you add to to this to help them come to terms with the fact that they cannot play for a while? Because mm. they they do feel sad. Yes, it's hard. It's hard to fit in that gap. Um, some people try to like continue to continue to watch sports. Some for that it just makes them worse. What's like what is like an alternative? You can try to like delve into different sports, for example. That, for example, if you have a shoulder injury, maybe playing a foot dominant sports mm, like right, football right, right. could work to scratch that itch. Mm. But again, it really is dependent on how deep the person is into that set sport. Right. Okay. Um, coaching could help, maybe just watching games. But honestly, it's it's hard. It's like honestly, it's just pure patience. Mm. It's for example, once you're deeply in love with a sport, nothing comes even close. Okay. So yeah. I have like uh, a different kind of question. What is something that you notice in people who play sports that you don't notice in people or that you don't see in people who don't play? Okay, so that's a good question. Honestly, like the way how I see sports is you can split them into two different categories. You have individual sports and team sports. What does that mean? So like individual sports are like skiing. Tennis. Tennis. No, tennis. Tennis Tennis is a team sport. It's, it's like, kind of <laughs> like a team sport. It's two people. But like surfing, skiing, these are horse riding. These right. are individual okay. sports. All right, okay. Then you okay. have team sports, like for example, football, right. uh, rugby. rugby, basketball. These are team sports. Mm-hmm. Of course, team sports will teach people teamwork, working as a team, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. But the truth is, 
you can learn that from so many other like facets of life so right. i feel like teamwork people use that a lot as like a pro for playing sports honestly i feel like being part of a club will also teach you teamwork why i, feel I don't think it's the same kind of teamwork though kind of because like, like i feel like when you're playing a, a, a team sport you have to be tactical like you have to be smart about like maneuvers and like like which player is the best at like for example in football which player is the striker which player is defense like those things everyone has an assigned role and position it's different from like let's say you're working on a group project true true that's a good point <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. um i guess true like the shared responsibilities that the, the the role allocation is kind of like a nice thing about team mm. sports but for me personally i still feel like my colleagues who are not into sports are like equally not okay relatively so you, you mean you can learn those same or like similar skills from different walks yes. of life okay what i feel sets sports apart is building that kind of dedication and commitment towards a a goal mm -hmm. and b being comfortable with failure mm. okay this is something very interesting for me personally because i came into al-faisal and mashallah the students there are really smart they are students who i'm sure coasted through the middle school high school top of the classes mm -hmm. now when you come into like a field like medicine which is intense right a lot of these students have never faced fa uh, failure before in their life have right. they let their like previous success define who they are right with sports though success and failure are two sides of the same coin you may train for months do everything right and at the end of the day you may say lose Mm, okay coming into terms that failure is not it's not what defines you is doing what matters which is the most important thing is a very important kind of mentality to have okay and you see this mentality in people who play sports yes. and not in people who don't i feel like it's more prevalent in people who play sports mm. even just like things like work ethic dedication towards a task mm -hmm. this is like values and attributes that sports really drill into the people mm -hmm. you could be the most talented guy on the team but if you don't practice and train. The guy who has half your talent, who works harder than you, will take your position. It's and that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, so it's beautiful. So it's, it's not like, about talent; it's about hard work. Yes, it's it's like the grand equalizer. And honestly, when you transfer this to like let's say a medical field, mm -hmm. you may not be like the smartest guy in the room. Maybe there are people who are smarter than you, who have better intelligence, better memory. But if you work hard, mm -hmm. you can achieve more, if not more, than what they achieve. So I think that dedication, that work ethic is critical and crucial, honestly. Interesting. All right, so what are some pointers that you would give to someone who is trying to start out a new sport? Or is just curious about starting a sport? Start it. Start it? Literally. A lot of people like are interested in the sport, but they find a way to convince themselves not to start, and they never do it. Because fear is a big thing. I think, yes. like you said, you have to be okay with failure. You know, going into sport, if you're not okay with failure, I don't think you're going to get anywhere. True. And also, if you notice, it is much easier for a little child to get into a sport compared to an adult. Yeah, that's true. But I always figured that was because children are more, like, adaptable and flexible. And That is true, to like, of course, to a major extent. Mm -hmm. But also because kids are not scared of failing because mm -hmm. they don't miss their kids. But as, as you get older, you have this kind of, like, preconceived notion of, oh, this is my self-image. I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to embarrass myself. But kids don't care. Kids just try it. They mess up. That's fine. But I feel like as we get older, we tend to like feel less comfortable embarrassing ourselves, making a fool out of ourselves. Mm. And that's part of the natural like learning process. You will mess up. That's absolutely fine. The funny thing is like no one really cares. 
when we see like those beginners like in surfing and they mess up those tiny teeny waves mm. do you think other surfers like law for them they don't even register them they probably think like oh that was once me exactly it's more like ah oh, look how far i've grown as a person so like honestly the most important thing is just do it like mm. start the go into the sport go for that first run sign up for those like basketball tryouts for example just mm. just go just stop you'll reach a certain point where your love and your motivation will take over and okay so gonna, you'll get pulled into it you yourself. get pulled into it but the hardest step is always the the first step is always the hardest step mm, okay what are your, what, do you, what do you think are some of your like weaknesses that you've learned over all these years that you've been playing sports and how are you like actively trying to target them work on them Okay, so one of them is I tend to get, like I said, very emotional. So sometimes I let my emotions like override my mm -hmm. logic. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I had the, the, the injury, obviously the, the logical part of me is like, take a break, stop. Right, right. But like, I'm like, no. But you I've, don't listen to yes, your logical part. I'm very stubborn as a person too. Are you trying to get better at that? <laughs> I'm trying my best. <laughs> okay. I'm trying my best to also like learn when to stop, when to take, when... Because the thing is, like, burnout is becoming more and more prevalent. Hmm. Knowing when to say, okay, stop, I'm going to take a break, is something I, I struggle with a lot. I always have this feeling of, oh, if I don't continuously do something, I'm going to slip through the cracks and, like, disappear. So but that's not really healthy on, on, the, on the long term, honestly. Right. Um, so, yeah, on, stubbornness is also a kind of, like, a thing. Um, I feel like those are kind of the same part of the like... Kind of, like, same package and parcel, yeah. you know? It's, like, a very stubborn, angry guy. Um, communication, I think, like, sports have that a lot. Really? Yeah, because before, like, I would have my idea, and I would be like, no, you, everyone listens to me, okay? Well, you go to a new sport, you start from... By the way, I was actually a water boy for a bit. You were a water I boy? I was a water boy <laughs> in the beginning. But learning that there's a hierarchy, there's a way, you can't just, like, barge your way in and be like, oh, everyone listen to me. No, you're, mm. you're nothing at the stage. You have to slowly earn that respect, earn that, like... And I honestly, it was, it was a good experience. Okay. That's cool. All right, I have an interesting question. Who would you consider as like your role model in terms of, I don't know, in terms of anything? Okay. Um, so here's the weird thing, okay? It's going to sound very, very unconventional. So I don't have like a singular person who like I'm aspiring to become like. It's more of this kind of like mental image I've had since I was a kid of who I wanted to be. That's really it's interesting. Like, Tell me more about that. Yeah. So since I was a kid, I would see like various traits in people and try to like capture not their whole essence, but just that one trait. For example, I really respect like my dad's confidence, his leadership abilities, his skill. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate, for example, my mom's like uh, kindness, her selflessness, her empathy. Mm -hmm. So I really love that. So I'm trying to like Frankenstein my way, like the best of both worlds. So every time, like, right, like literally right now, if I close my eyes, I can see the kind of person I want to be like. Mm, so that's, okay. it's not a person who exists at the moment. It's more of like a vision. Okay. Um, but honestly, like the person who like I want to like, get the respect of the most kind of like <laughs> it's probably my granddad Allah Alham. Um, we were very close like he's the one who actually named me by the way really yeah I even during my graduation I had his name on like the the neck thingy so I'm very close uh, so I just I hope I live a life that at some point like, he would be proud of you know inshallah inshallah pretty sure he's already proud <laughs> so what do you think is like one of your biggest fears like in general not really related to sports but just generally okay so I am 
claustrophobic. I do not like tight spaces. Um, I used to be afraid of the dark when I was younger. Mm -hmm. When I say younger, you guys thinking what, six or seven? No, I'm yeah. saying 15, 16. Uh -huh. I did not like the dark. I was the kid who would always sleep with the fairy lights on or the bathroom lights on. But I outgrew it, honestly. By around 17, 18, I was like, okay, I'm not scared of the dark no more. But I always maintained that fear of like tight spaces. Mm. It's suffocating. Mm, okay. Um, Interesting. How does this incorporate into like sports? Does it? I don't think no, it no, should no. affect you. No, I, I do not like touch sports, which is like tight spaces. What like, sports involve tight you spaces? You know, like scuba diving and like cave exploration, stuff oh. like that. No, I am far away from this. Leave me away from anything where like it's too enclosed. What about like hiking in caves or like hiking in tunnels? Never, never, no. never, 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 never. And like, honestly, like I had this experience this summer, which kind of like was a brutal reminder of like, yo, I am, I would always be scared of like tight spaces, even if conventionally it's not like a tight space. Mm. Like what was the example? What, like okay. what happened? So during the summer, I decided to go exploring, uh, to go like wild, like wilderness camping. That's always fun. That's always fun. And also, like, it was the south of Morocco. Last time I went this far south was, like, first year of medical school. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, I caught, like, I'm into fishing, by the way. So I caught this, like, massive, biggest fish of my life. Nice, 15 kg. I was so proud. Do you have a photo? Yes. Oh, I my God, you have to show me. Somewhere, yeah. <laughs> so I was, like, really hyped to go back, like, after five years to the south of Morocco, which is more, like, deserty. Mm, and okay. I was looking forward to camping on the beach. So we went somewhere like very remote, as in to get access to that beach, you have to go in at certain times of the day where the tide is pulled back. Ah, uh, so you, it's like one of those places that gets cut off like during yes. the, oh no, that's very scary. Oops. And not only that, it was remote. The closest human being to our campsite was maybe 15 kilometers from each side. Goodness. So it was remote. It was beautiful. You have Atlantic Ocean, then you have a beach, then you have sand dunes, like, it looks like a mountain from far, but it's made of pure sand. And you cannot see what's after that. Mm. So it's sand dunes, beach, ocean. Mm. So it's a great morning. We're having fun. We unpack. We set up the tents. Mm -hmm. And nighttime is approaching. I'm like, listen, I want to go night fishing because I love night fishing. But I thought you were scared of the dark. I was scared of the dark. Like I was saying, like I, out, I thought I outgrew it. I didn't. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? I like night fishing. It's great. You know what's beautiful about remote places? The stars. Yeah, that's true. I love the stars. I love the stars so the, much. The, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with the whole like NASA and yeah, the Webb telescope. Yeah, I love the stars. It's amazing. So I love the fact that you can see the whole Milky Way. That is so cool. So I go down. Me, my fishing rod, and I'm just vibing. I Please tell me you weren't alone. I was alone. Of course. Oh was, my God. Of course I was alone. Yeah, it's like 200 meters from the campsite. It's not too far. I can see the campsite. The lights are on. It's great. Okay. Not too bad. Okay. Not too bad. Acceptable. So I'm fishing. I'm, I'm having fun. And I catch my first fish. Nice. So I'm excited. I go back to the campsite. I put the fish on like some ice. And as I'm leaving, one of like the more experienced guys, he uh -huh. goes, Abdel, be careful when you're walking back. We're going to switch off all the lights of the tent. Oh, no. Retrace your footsteps. Please don't get lost. Oh, no. Now, here's oh, the no, thing. No, 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 no. I cannot really tell where <laughs> now, this is going. <laughs> I, I'm not even joking. I have a magical ability to get lost. You know KFSH? Yeah. I, I've been there now for two years. Uh-huh. I still get lost to this day. I do not know how. In uh, the hospital? In the hospital. I remember back when I was a fifth year student, I met some fourth years who were trying to find the AU classrooms. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, sure, let me lead the way. Oh, no. <laughs> I got lost to a classroom that I've been going to for a year. Oh, my God. 
So I have a tendency to get lost. Okay. But at the moment, I shrugged him off. I was like, yeah, 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 for sure. So I go back in. I'm fishing. Now, there's no more light. Mm-hmm. It's you can't see the campsite anymore. It's pitch black. I am fishing, and it's beautiful. I have my headphones on. Wait, I have like a question. How do you fish in the dark? It's dark. Yes. So How do you, like, you can't see anything. Headlamp with red light filter. And okay. you can see like, like the surrounding like two meters. But a lot of That's it, pretty scary though. Yeah, and like you can't see what's beyond the two meters. It could be anyone there. It could be anything. That's literally the thought process as I was like fishing. After <sighs> a bit, I felt so small. Like I felt the darkness was like swallowing me whole. Mm, right. So I was slowly beginning to feel kind of uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it was like, you know, you get this feeling of being watched. But because it's so dark, you can't see anything. So again, I guess my head was kind of like working overdrive. Did you feel like you were being watched? Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. With you, I was. I felt like I was being watched. Oh no! And I was like, you know what? I'm not comfortable with this no more. I want to leave. <laughs> and it was at this point like around one a.m. No moon, moonless night. So it's oh, dark. Oh no, it's dark, dark. It's dark. So dark. dark, dark. And I'm like, you know what? That's it. I'm calling it a night. I go back into the ocean to remove the bait from the fishing. Mm, right, right. Oh. Okay. Now the thing is, it's beach, so it's sand. Mm. A bit of shallow water then sand again, then the actual ocean. Okay. So I, okay. Leave, I leave my chair, I leave my bucket with like bait. I go in, I clean up my fishing equipment mm. and I'm walking back. Mm. Walking back. And I'm like, hey, where's the bucket? Oh no. I should have reached the bucket by now. And I can't see it. Oh no. I walk a bit more. I can't see it's it. It's all dark. It's pitch black. I can't see anything. Mm. So I'm like, okay, maybe I caused, I, I misstepped let me course correct so I move more towards the right. I can't see anything. Okay. Oh, oh no. At this moment, I go into full blown panic. <laughs> I am now hyperventilating. I am losing it because A, the darkness is, is suffocating. Mm. Two, I am feeling extremely claustrophobic because mm. it's so dark. You if, can't see what, what's around you. It's almost like you're in a closed space even though yes, you're not. That's what I'm saying. It's an open space. It's too open to the point where now I am feeling like I'm suffocating in this kind of like on the, in the darkness. It's like a blanket of darkness. Yes, mm. blanket, like a blanket of darkness, the thick ones. Mm. So I'm, I'm, I'm hyperventilating. I go into full-blown panic, mm-hmm. which is not a good thing. You should right. always try to like, you know, stay calm, be panic rational. Panic kind of fogs your brain. I was full, you know, adrenaline pumping, fight or fight response. My legs begin to shake. I am like, okay. Oh no. Because I know if I mess up, if I mess up, I'm not going to find any humans for at least 20 kilometers. Wait, so what happens? Okay, so you're like in a remote place. What would happen if you just stayed where you were? Nothing. I would be found like the next day. But okay, I, so it's I, not too bad. No, but the thing is, I, for me, it's even because now I'm... I'm now you're panicking, so, so you're I'm not panicking. really thinking straight. So I'm like, I cannot wait. I cannot stop. I have to find the camp. I have to find the camp. I have to find mm. the camp. Like logically speaking, you're right. Yeah, I should just sit down and wait. Wait till it's done. Which is seven hours, by the way. I would have sat down for seven hours. I, um, to be honest, that's a really good point. Why didn't I think of that? I feel like when you're panicked, you kind of don't think of like what's logical. I don't think logic yeah. works when you're panicked. Like you, you said you were super panicked. Super I don't panicked. Know. I was like, I have to find the campsite. But I knew if I mess up the direction, like if I kept going right and I was actually like going the wrong way, mm-hmm. A, I would probably not find any human being until dawn. Mm-hmm. And the thing is like, it's a remote beach. Right. So the farther you go, the harder it is for them to find you too. Yes, exactly. That's number one. Number two, the, the the spot we were in was not too far from the Canary Islands. Oh, okay. So that route apparently, 
a lot of like drug dealers take oh, their no. roots. So imagine if they bump into this random guy at night in one of their like their road trips. Right. I don't think it's very safe. Very at all. So I am panicking. So I'm like, okay, do I keep going right or do I go left? It's a dilemma. Just stay where you are. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I decide to switch off all the lights. How does that help the situation? I'll explain. So my <laughs> rationale was, if I switch off all the lights, my eyes will adjust to the darkness. Okay, okay. So I, I might see, see better. That, okay, maybe. Okay, I see how yeah, that's possible. So now I begin, I spend a few minutes in pure darkness and slowly I begin to make out something in the distance. But the problem is, because of like, it's nighttime, there is no depth perception. Mm. I do not know if what I'm looking at is the campsite, the mm. blackness of the campsite, or, or the dunes. The dunes. Oh, okay. So I spend a few minutes squinting my eyes trying my best and i make a decision i'm like you know what i'm gonna go left my heart is screaming keep going right mm. but i'm like i felt like i saw something i don't know so i go against my instinct and i go left and as i'm walking i'm walking the panic is still there i'm praying to god please i just i don't want to die alone Okay. You're so, it's so, I feel like the panic was making you like overthink this yes. because worst case scenario, you just stay where you are, you wait a little bit and then eventually yeah. you find your way back. I know, but at the moment, <laughs> no, I was like, I was adamant about finding the I think I've been in a situation like that. It does happen. Okay. Understandable. Mm. Did you find it? So as I'm walking, I see, I swear to God, the most beautiful thing I could ever <laughs> see, a sand castle. Oh, so I'm like, okay. oh, oh, I'm reaching the periphery of the camp. I managed to make my way there. And I arrive, and the sheer joy, the happiness. The relief. The relief. But the thing is, it doesn't end there. Because remember how I left the bucket and the chair? Like in right, the ocean? right. Who's going to bring them back? Just leave it till the morning. No, the tide would come in and it would take it. Oh. It's not even my chair. Oh. <laughs> so the worst part, honestly, was going back. <laughs> I made sure to literally trace every single footprint from my from the camp back into the, the ocean. No, okay, makes sense. But goddamn, I was never this scared. I was like, okay, mm. I'm going to keep walking for like three, four days. I'm going to die. That's it. It's game over. <laughs> But thank God I... Do they not have like torches or like like flashlights that you Everyone can... Everyone was asleep. It was 1 a.m. Oh. By the way, there was a very powerful flashlight, which I got the next day. But everyone found out. I was like, everyone, it was became like a meme. <laughs> like, how did you get lost? We literally told you don't get lost. <laughs> but uh, I, I would not forget this day, honestly. It was... Terrifying. terrifying. Was this this summer? Yeah. This a lot of things happened this summer. <laughs> what a chaotic summer. I swear to God. <laughs> So when was the last time like you went skiing? So from what I gather, you've been surfing a lot for the past few years. Yep. Before that, though, you used to ski, right? Mm -hmm. So when was the last time you went skiing? I think it was just before COVID. Just before COVID? Just before COVID. And where was like your prime location to ski? So, so far, like, I've only kind of skied in one place, which was Bursa in, like, mm. the, in, in, the, in the, the hills of Turkey. Right, right, right. I've been to Bursa. It's really pretty. It's really so nice. nice yeah, right? so nice, really nice. And the beautiful thing, like, the nice thing is it's beautiful throughout the year. And that is true. That's true. It's really pretty during the winter when it's like it's like it's like a blanket of snow. I went in the summer and it was really nice then too. It was like not too hot. It was like a warmish temperature, but it was really pretty. And they have this like chairlift. You must have been on it. Yes. <laughs> I feel like everyone who's been there has been on this chairlift. It has like this um really pretty view of the trees and the mountains. And when it's like during the summer, it's really pretty because there's like this haze or this fog because mm. you're going up the mountain when you're going on the trailer. And that I found really pretty. In the winter, it's like the same, but it's snow. 
and it's like a snowstorm kind of vibe, which is really pretty too. It's just beautiful all year round. I, I love Brazil. So what's your favorite thing about skiing? Okay, um, good question. I remember, by the way, when I was very young, when I was like maybe seven, we made like a school trip towards like a place in Birmingham called Ackers. It's like an artificial ski slope, okay? Mm, okay. And I really liked it. I was like, oh, I want to go skiing. It's for like an indoor ski slope? It's outdoors, but it's artificial grass. Artificial grass? Yeah, like it's an artificial ski slope, but it's not like snowy. You ski on grass? Not me, but like, not, <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. it. Bear in mind, this was when I was seven. So it's been like decades since Okay. Then. So I, I just remember it was like not the OG thing, okay? Mm, okay, okay, fair enough. And most of my cousins live in Belgium, mm. which is what? It's very close to the Alps. So every time we meet up, they tell me stories of them skiing and like black slopes, getting injured and all the cool stuff. And this is before you started skiing? Before I started skiing. So like naturally you're inclined to so, want to do it. So now I want to do I want to be like them. Because like, so, like, they're literally so awesome, you know? Mm. Like they're very like adventurous, like, you know, mm. adrenaline junkies. Mm. So maybe being young, I was like, I want to be just like them. Mm. So I wanted to ski. Mm. I really wanted to ski. And then I had an opportunity, I think around first year, I went to Turkey for the first time. First year, first year at med school? Yeah, okay. five years ago. Okay, okay. So I was like, oh, perfect. That's an opportunity to ski. Mm -hmm. And I went and <laughs> it was an amazing experience. It was harder than I expected. Okay, I've I, never been skiing, by the way, so I wouldn't know. Like, I've been like fake skiing, like you described. Okay, <laughs> it's harder than I expected because like there's so much things you have to do. The positioning really? is like very like technical kind of. Mm. Uh, so I first few years was nice. And then in like the last year before COVID hit, I finally met up with those same cousins. Oh, nice. Mashallah. In Turkey? In Turkey. Nice. It was nice. You finally and get to ski with like the people that you wanted to be Yes, like. but you know what's the problem? Mm. They, like I said, they are adrenaline junkies. Within the first day, they were like, nah, this is too easy. Let's oh, go no. to the hardest slopes. <laughs> so I was pressured. I was peer pressured to go with them. Oh, no. So I go up with them. I'm like, deep down, I'm like, no, I don't want to. But I have, to, I have to look good in front of my cousins, you know? Mm -hmm. So we reached like the top of like the blue slope, I think. And I'm just seeing like, it's it's like a drop and there's clouds and I can't see like this actual ski slope. It's a drop and then clouds. So it's a cliff? It's like, a, it looks like a cliff. They're just like the angle between the slope is a bit like kind of. Oh, so like it's kind of directed upwards. So yes. you can't see. Okay, so you okay, can't okay, see makes the sense, bottom. Makes sense. Ah, man, the fear of like, hey, you want me to ski this? I just barely learned <laughs> to ski a few years ago. I can't see the actual slope. It was much scarier than it actually was. Is it like a was. jump then? Not really. It's just kind of like a dip. Oh, okay. It's a bit of a dip, but you can't see the dip kind of. Right, right, right. You can't see it because of the, the angle. angle mm. Yeah. So it was like, you know, like the, the phrase, a leap of faith. Yeah. It was just, it was because you can't see like the actual ski slope. Right. It's like very like. You just have to trust that it's there. Exactly. <laughs> and I can't back down because now it's my cousin, my brother, and me. I don't want to be that guy who's like, you know what? I'm just going to take the easy way out. Mm -hmm. So I go in and oh my God, it was beyond hard. Oh no. Because the thing is back then, like my ski instructor would always tell me, oh, when you ski, you should ski parallel. Okay. Like keep your feet parallel. Yes. Keep okay. your feet parallel. Don't like assume what they call like the, um, the pizza position. The pizza position where your legs are like perpendicular kind of. Ish. Oh yeah. All the way around. Where, like the tips are closer to each oh, other. Oh, okay. 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 So you form like a pizza slice. Yes. And the <laughs> nice thing about the pizza slice is you slow down the speed. So you feel like you're more in control. Is that like something you do to slow down? You do to slow down. Okay. But also when you're a beginner, you sometimes just assume the pizza the whole way. Oh, okay. But I never understood why, like, why, why? Like, other than speed, like, what's the benefit of, like, being parallel? Hmm. 
until I went to that slope. The hard slope really taught you some things. Turns out, yeah, you cannot, a hard slope, you cannot ski on the pizza, you're just going to fall. Oh. So I fell. I, within like, let's say 10 seconds, I fell. Mm. Getting back on because of like the crazy degree of the slope mm-hmm. was so hard. So I get in. So each time you fall off, it has like what, three, four minutes and then you're just getting more tired. Right. So there's this pressure of, you better learn the correct technique as soon as possible before this becomes a nightmare. Because each time you fall, you're you get more tired. tired. You have less time. Exactly. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I, I I'm gonna like, because the thing is, it's a scary slope. I'm scared, obviously, and you're telling me to go parallel, which will make me go even faster. Mm-hmm. But my cousin's like, listen, this is the only way you can ski down the slope. You have mm-hmm. to. So I do it. I just take a deep breath. I'm like, I'm gonna do it, and it works out for a bit. Okay. So I'm like, oh, okay, wait, nice. hold on. I'm getting the hang of this. This works. So as I'm going through, I'm like maybe what four fifths of the way down both my quads cramp at the same time oh no so oh no, I, no, no 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 so i am going down like at full speed and alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah it happened like towards the end so i go down i just fall and both my the, the chair chances mm-hmm. of both quads cramping up so I'm on the ground. I'm just like trying to like decramp. How do you decramp quads? You can't decramp. You just got to wait it out. Just got to wait it out. So I'm just like waiting for this. This is probably the worst thing that could ever happen to someone playing sports. Like mm. this, I think. I don't know what I said before. I think I was talking about surfing. But this, I think, this is probably the worst thing. You know, what's even, you know what's even ironic? Mm. I actually, like, you know how I told you I had like four near-death experiences in the summer? Yeah. One of them was when my legs uh, cramped up. Oh, no. My calf cramped up first. So I'm underwater trying to like fix right. it because you can. It's like calf cramps are not too Ca- bad. Yeah, okay. Calf but, cramps, yeah. You can kind of stretch it out and like, okay. But then I kid you not, my foot cramps. Oh, no, 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 no. That's like detrimental. That is like damaging, like because paralyzing. The thing is, there's no position. Like I don't, I can't figure out how to decramp a foot cramp. You were in the water? I was, yeah, I was drowning. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was actually like swallowing water because I just couldn't oh, no. find a way to decramp it. It was horrible. But alhamdulillah, that was like the, I managed, like it decramped on its own, weirdly. But that I was mean, that's so how it always is. Mm. Don't cramps always just decramp? True, but like I didn't like do something to decramp it. You okay. Know? So I was just like f- f- flailing underwater, <laughs> like oh no, because that that was actually like, the first time like, I had like the closest thing to a near drowning experience. Mm, okay. Because apparently, bro, like when I was reading later on, a lot of drowns happen from cramps. Really? Yeah. Because once you cramp, you're underwater, you're trying to kind of like fix it, you swallow in a bit of water, and then it's just. How do you prevent cramping? By like warming up maybe properly or better? Warming up better, differently? I don't know, honestly. Probably. I feel like it should work. I right? feel like that's that's why you warm up, no? So you don't cramp? True. Also, I think also like decreases the risk of injuries. Stuff mm, like yeah, that. like stuff like that. And to be fair, I did see like every time the surface would like, you know, would be like warming up and stretching out and mm. doing some yoga stuff. But I'm like, you know, by the time these guys finish doing their stuff, they're going to take up like valuable spots in the in the surf wave. So I'm like, I'm going to skip that step. I'm just going to go right in real quick. Again, probably not very smart. Word of advice. Don't skip warm up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> All right. Going back to your original story about the quads cramping up, what do you do in that situation? I would just like... You just fall. Fall. <laughs> I wish that... But that, it was a flat stop. So it was like the end of the run. Okay, so you made it. So I made it. I just dislodged the ski slope and just like waited it out for a bit. Thank God that didn't happen way up, because mm. I would have, I would, I have literally no idea what I would have done. What happens if you like slip or mess up at the very top of the slope? Do you just fall? Yes. That's it. You fall for you fall. Like I fell so many times, honestly. You keep on falling. Nice thing though, 
And the annoying thing though is your skis have like a mechanism where they dislodge from the boot, which is mm. great so you don't get injured, mm. but it's not so great when you have to go back up to get your skis. Get your ski. <laughs> it's like walk of shame walk of shame and the incline is insane yeah right. and like the altitude and you're cold and you're miserable and you're already embarrassed <laughs> so yeah how do you beat the cold when you're just skiing like personally even when i used to like fake ski or whatever it would always be so cold like it's like very debilitating do you not find it debilitating when it's super cold okay i'm the exact opposite of you. i have no problem with the cold really no problem okay you're lucky michelle Lennox. but on the side, on like on the flip side, I'm very bad with the heat. I so you can't handle like heat. sports where you sweat a lot or you get really no. Hot. I can't handle like hot weather. Oh, like, hot weather. When it becomes weather. like okay. what more than thirty, I'm dying. Mm. I am dying. Mm. It's I hate I hate the feeling of heat. Um, it's cold though. You're adapted to cold. Cold, yeah, I'm fine. Maybe that's because you were born in Belgium. Maybe I was, it was it was snowing when I was born too. When are you born? When was your like birthday? First of December. First of December. Oh, it was just recently. Yeah. Happy late birthday. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's cool, Michelle. All right. So, what is like your biggest takeaway point from skiing? Maybe. Hmm. Like you don't do it as much anymore. I, I hope you you know get I to do it. Yeah. What about this coming break? Ah, I'm an intern, so we oh, don't, we don't get, get break. breaks like you guys. <laughs> what about it's like maybe when you're done with internship, inshallah, yeah, for sure, for sure. in July. July, it's not going to be skiing season. so I'll Maybe like surfing. next year, yeah. winter? I guess it depends really on like, you know. Where you are, where what you you're are, doing. What you're true, doing. true, true. But at some point, for sure, I'm going to have to go back. What's like your biggest takeaway point from skiing? It feels good when you accomplish like a childhood dream, honestly. Uh, I feel like a lot of times as kids, we have these dreams that we never kind of accomplish. Because mm -hmm. we're like, oh, you know, it's not as cool as I thought it's going to be. But there was a sense of satisfaction when I went and did something I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Feels good. So like, nice. you know, kind of respect the, the little miniature versions of yourselves. Like I feel like <laughs> a lot, as kids, we've dreamt to do a lot of things. That is true. But as we get older, we just tend to like, I'm just curious. What about things like uh, skydiving? Have you tried that? No, not yet. But I am planning on doing paragliding very soon. Paragliding, paragliding. You know, there's a place in Khobar where you can do paragliding. Ooh, that is interesting. I've never done it, but I've seen people do it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. I really want to skydive, though. I want to do it, but like, I don't know. I want to do it once, but not like a, like a long term. Thing. What do you not know about it? Like, what's what's there to be scared of? I feel like, okay, there's a lot to be scared of, but also, like, what's there to lose? True, but like I'm saying, I don't want to go into it as time of, as like a long term. Okay, yeah, no, 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 yeah, as okay, a one time thing for sure, thing. yeah. But like getting building up those hours to like so because here's what's gonna happen, okay? I'm gonna start doing uh, skydiving. I'm gonna enjoy it, okay? I'm not a very smart person. You get addicted. I'm gonna get addicted, <sighs> and then what I'm gonna do next? I'm gonna go into base jumping. Base jumping. What's and base jumping? Base jumping is like it's like with a jump from the cliffs with like a cliffs. Wings, with a wingsuit. Uh, oh no that is terrifying that is dangerous no, no, also no, 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 no. very <laughs> dangerous so like I can I can see the trajectory from now if I like the feeling of skydiving I'm gonna transition towards that for sure I know okay. I know myself okay smart then so, you know better stay away <laughs> or like make it like a one time thing yeah like a experience, experience. like a family trip once yes. and that's it okay you, I do wanna I, try it though you wanna, you wanna try it once or like no I wanna do it once I don't think I think it's also really expensive <laughs> yes so yes. I think I would do it like once maybe twice but yeah I, that is definitely one of the top things on my list you know what I also wanna try I wanna try um, indoor skydiving or indoor Ooh. like have you seen those things I don't know what they're called but they're like there's like this massive fan at the bottom and you kind of float 
that's pretty cool to me. I don't know what it's called. Like the zero gravity kind of thingy. It's I like think a tube. so. Exa- yes. It's like yes, a tube yes. with like a massive fan at the bottom and you literally fly. But will that be as cool as actually jumping from a plane? No, no. And I seeing... definitely want to jump from a plane. That is, I think, a different experience or like a helicopter, whatever. That would yeah. be insane. But I do want to try that thing indoors, skydiving. Okay. Let me know if you enjoy it. Okay, inshallah. What is something that you've always wanted to get into but never got the chance to do? Okay. Where do I start? <laughs> okay, so in terms of like the near future, okay, so in terms of the near future, probably I want to go back into horse riding. I only horse know, riding. Yeah, I only know a bit, honestly. Uh, also, like I said, paragliding is something I want right, to get into. And now the World Cup fever, I'm probably going to go back into football for a bit. When was the last time you played football? In the summer, like in Morocco, there's like it's a very football rich country. Right, right. You mentioned that. So whenever you go to oh. the beach, you'll see everyone playing football there. Okay. Beach ball. So that's the last time I played football. Okay, okay, but it's not something that you do like a lot. Like, is no, a no. okay. Okay, cool, cool. Paragliding. Paragliding. Football. Nice. Yeah. What about like wrestling, or like boxing? Oh yes, yeah, sorry, I forgot martial arts. So I'm thinking of like going into Brazilian jiu-jitsu again. Mm-hmm. maybe Muay Thai I don't mm-hmm. know things I don't want to go into boxing because I don't want to get like more brain injury you know more brain injury yeah because I've already had like you have brain injury more, more <laughs> concussions than I want to have you know okay. so like each time you get a concussion it makes it easier to get another one oh, and also messes okay. up a lot with your memory and stuff so my memory is nuked really yeah so how like, many concussions have you had you know what's funny I don't remember. Oh, no. <laughs> Not a good answer. I think two or three. Two or I three. I think three. Was well, the first time like that jujitsu incident when you yeah. hit your head on the ground? First one was then. Then afterwards was like, I think, playing. Uh, so they keep like the, the threshold to gain them just becomes easier and easier. Like, mm, right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Like like a, like a small head injury can end up in Easy, a Yeah. One head oh. bump, head bump your head on the wall could be enough. So Goodness. for me, like after the third concussion, I actually genuinely lost huge chunks of my like long term memory. Oh no! So this okay. year is missing. I have no idea what happened in those years. Oh, um, like what year, for example, would you not remember? Uh, the, I remember one of the years when I went to Morocco. I think it was 2014 or something. Mm-hmm. I genuinely forgot the whole trip. Apparently, it was like a really fun trip too. Which was sad. Oh no! So yeah, it's I'm, sad. I'm trying to play a bit safe. So probably not like boxing. Probably mm, not. Okay. Um, no like injuries or no like a sports where you can get like head injuries basically even rugby like right now i'm going through this intense debate when i go back to the us for example or the uk mm-hmm. do i resume rugby or not mm. you know it's like obviously i'm going into a career inshallah in surgery so oh, become, really? yeah. inshallah, inshallah. that's cool <laughs> so i don't want to like mess up my career for like, sport but at the same time i really love ah, it's such a like tough decision to maybe make. you can like pick a different sport that's not as uh Intense, yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. Like, it has to be a sport, like mm-hmm. maybe not rugby, maybe not like martial arts, like other than jiu-jitsu. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right, so just to, like uh, summarize this whole conversation that we've had so far, three points of advice that you would give to listeners right now. Three points of advice. Okay, so I guess the first advice I'll probably give is very tied into like my personal philosophy on how I live my life, and I call it like embracing the inner child. Number two, live life aren't it, to the fullest. Like consider like every day as like a gift. Being because let's be honest, so many people don't get to live one extra day. Mm, so each right. day you're on earth, embrace it and really live life to the fullest. Don't like kind of del- we have this tendency to kind of delay things for future. Oh, I'll be happy when 
I become an attending. I'll be happy when I do this, mm. when I achieve that. No, be happy now. It's like, you know, like live life like it's your last day on earth. Uh, and I guess the third point is leave the world a better place than you found it, you know? It doesn't mean you have to do something insane. It doesn't mm. mean, oh, I'm going to go find a cure for cancer. Sometimes just making a single person smile can have a tremendous impact on their lives. This is really nice. It's very different from everything that we've been talking yes. about so far. <laughs> so I genuinely believe that, for example, like sometimes you may not realize this, you have an impact on someone that would create this kind of like whole positive feedback loop for that person. And sometimes we kind of underappreciate how much little things have an impact. Mm. A single smile. I'm not even joking. The amount of times I've been having a really rough day, I'm driving and the security guard would just smile. He always smiles. The one, the one yeah. guy, I love this guy. And that would genuinely change the whole trajectory of my day. Now imagine this on a, on a great scale, mm. on helping someone mm. going through a rough time, being there mm. for them. The impact that has is amazing. I feel like we kind of begin to focus on numbers. Oh, I want to help a thousand people, a million people. No, mm. sometimes helping one person is enough. Okay. I have a question. All these like near death experiences, do you think that they brought you closer to God? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because always, it's so funny. Like at that moment when you're like, "Oh, I might die like very soon," it just becomes instantly like, "Oh God, please can you help me," you know. So it's that it's that constant reminder that oh, like life is very fleeting. Because mm -hmm. like, think about it. If that day I did not manage to like get back on the surfboard and I collided with those cliffs, that would have been it for you. Oh, game over. All those people who I may have wronged, all the people who like I wish I could have said sorry, but it was too late. Mm -hmm. You know. It's like uh, when you're like, so let's say you just experienced like a near death experience and you came out alive and alhamdulillah and everything is fine. Do you think like to yourself, subhanAllah, this is another day for me to continue like being a good person and, you know, worshiping and like all those things. You like, does that go through your head? Yes, exactly. Because then a lot of times when you reach like those kind of like near death experiences, you realize I wish I could do so much more. I wish. You know, like just, Allah's giving you an extra chance. Yes, exactly. That's what Second I'm saying. Chance. No, that is so I'm on like what my fifth chance this <laughs> summer so like I'm so grateful that oh Allah gave me that extra chance of being able to do good to be a mm -hmm. better person to make someone's life a bit better mm -hmm. to make someone smile so I am very grateful like looking back the fact that I've made it this far and, right. I, and I'm sure listen my mom is probably going to listen to this podcast <laughs> she has no idea that this happened she doesn't know no because I was alone this summer and you didn't tell anybody? I didn't tell her because obviously I'm, I don't want to scare her. Oh, right. Yeah. So okay. no one knows what went down in the summer. So if she's listening to this, I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I'm not going to promise I won't do it again, but I'll be safer. I promise. What does your family think in general of like everything that you that you do and the times that you've hurt yourself? And They are absolutely against it. <laughs> the amount of conversations I had with my mom in particular, because she's more protective. Of course. But I mean, I'm like, yeah. listen, mom, moms like, are always yeah. going to be like, never football again. Never again. Yes. <laughs> But I, like, I have to convince my mom, like, mom, this is not the life I want to live. Mm. I am someone who I don't, I don't care for living an old life. If it's not going to be fun. For me, I would rather that. And I told her this many times. And I think slowly she's coming to it's terms with it. In. Yeah. Okay, she's coming I around. don't care about dying young if I am living a life of no regrets. You know, as a mother, that would be really hard for her to probably Process. come to terms with that. She can't hear. You can't just say that to her. I know. But like, that's why she better keep doing that for my safety. <laughs> yeah, You're actually I, just like making her pray for you more. More basically, because I, I don't know how to survive those, those events, honestly. Did they ever try to like stop you? Have they ever 
all the time. Successfully stopped you? Yeah, I mean, like, I got pulled out of so many sports as a kid because they were too um, dangerous. Jiu-Jitsu is one of them. Jiu-Jitsu is one of them. Martial arts was one of them. Rugby, oh my God. Oh, they pulled you out of rugby? They tried my best. It was a constant go back and forth, you know? I was begging. Plus, it didn't help that like, my academia back in those last two years mm. were tanked by rugby. I would wake up uh. at 4 a.m., cook the food for the games. It consumed my life. And like those injuries that you would experience, have you ever had to go to physiotherapy for those injuries? Yeah. So my shoulder, I think I really messed up my rotator cuff. Mm -hmm. So I had to take physiotherapy for months. Uh, ultrasound therapy. Ultrasound therapy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of like rehab exercises. So yeah, like in and out. Man. <laughs> Makes sense why they'd want to take you out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so grateful that at least they let me finish like my season, my, my last season in school. Mm. But yeah. It's, right. Uh, nice. Well, Abdul Ghafoor, it was very nice talking to you today. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much for, you know, taking the time out of your day to sit with us today. No, thank you so much for the opportunity to get to it. It was, it was incredible talking to you. Thank you, like Hans. Um, and I hope the audience enjoyed it as well. Um, and yeah, with that, have a good weekend. Thank you, you too. Thank you all for tuning into this episode. I really hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I did while I was recording it. Shout out to our scout. Lian Al-Habib for reaching out to Abdul Ghafoor and helping us put this episode together. And also shout out to Abdurrahman Baqtayan, uh, our wonderful sound engineer. Thank you all for listening. Have a good day.